I'm Chantel. And I'm Julia. And welcome to Unnecessary Inks, your local tipsy YA book podcast. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You didn't forget yeah. any words that time. Good job, Julia. Thank you. I know. <laughs> it's almost like having a practice around health. <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? Not me. I never practice for anything. We probably we make mistakes. We don't need a practice round. No, we're perfect. <laughs> Obviously. What are you talking about? Oh God. Uh, how are you doing, Julia? What are you drinking tonight? I'm doing well. I am drinking a. Well, this is my. I've definitely had this multiple times before when we've recorded a Travelini Gattinara, which is my favorite wine. I think of all time because <laughs> the amount of times I buy it. <laughs> Um, but I'm doing well. I have four weeks of classes left, three weeks until you come to visit, and oh. five weeks until I leave to go back to the United States. Oh my gosh. And so then quick. six weeks until I go to Germany. <laughs> what a time. Oh, there's a lot happening. I know. Um, but... Otherwise, I'm doing fine. Not a whole lot has happened um, since we last chatted. I'm just, like, neck deep in projects. And they're all group projects except for, like, one thing. It's so tiring trying to schedule everything. It's, like, an absolute nightmare. Oh, I'm sure. Do not take four classes all with group projects. It's ridiculous. I'm not planning on taking any classes. So. Well. There's that. That's also a way to do it. <laughs> but how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm I'm doing well. Um, I'm drinking sparkling wine. Okay. Yeah. I'm drinking from my wine club that I joined. That the from a Vogue Winery. I'm drinking their Oh Orgasmic Sparkling White wine so basically i'm drinking champagne but obviously i can't call it that because it's from california so it's good it's you know me i don't normally drink straight champagne but it's no it's good i'm enjoying it i figured it'd be like a fun little thing to drink with to you know celebrate daylight savings and having to jump forward an hour woohoo this is, I think, the first time we've recorded in a really long time where um, I've actually still had light while we're recording. I know. It's so bright out behind you right now. I'm, like, soaking it in from your video. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good. Um, but I'm, I'm doing well, trying to keep busy, just reading a lot and pretending my work doesn't exist. So, you know, the normal <laughs> a uh, normal course of action and just trying to keep chugging along with helping Skyla with schoolwork and finding fun things for us to do on the weekends. So today we went to a botanical garden that was really fun and took some pictures and I got her a little succulent for her room. So yeah, things are, things are going, going well. And, you know, we're doing our best to avoid as much drama as possible at school. Um, which Jennifer is not succeeding in doing. Um, so I definitely don't want Skyla to take any lessons from her, other than maybe on how to do her homework. True. Jennifer is very good about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's 
it's the, the the two sections we're reading today are not as insane as last week's episode, but still, there's a lot. There's a lot to digest in the world of Jennifer James this week. Uh, and so we should probably, Julia, we should probably just dive right into it. We're talking about September 27th to October 10th, so we've got a good couple of weeks to to chat about. Do you want to give us the synopses? I do. There is a lot going on here. So we start with September 27th to October 3rd. Fate, Jennifer, dear fate. Jennifer is ignoring Marcus, as per usual, but it doesn't seem to be making a difference and is still brooding over Mr. Webster. Kelly is pretending to be injured from the protest and is eating her lunch with the guy in the tree who is still there. Jennifer notes the school environment has improved with the TV show being filmed there, however, and the kids get a letter from Storm telling them they will each get to film a 60-second promo showcasing why they should win. Jennifer films hers in the library with Mr. Webster, no surprise, um, who was a hard pick, however, over Miss Mooney, but given she is in love with him, he had to be the final choice. Obviously. history class. Yes, obviously. They have a history class with Amanda Knox, and all the boys are drooling over her. Hulula hates her and makes it known, so Jennifer almost appreciates her trying to knock Amanda down a peg, but her like of Tallulah soon fades again. Short-lived. Vicky live narrates the Tuesday episode to Jennifer on the phone where Marcus rehearses a scene in acting class with Serena, and later he gives Tallulah a a shoulder rub in P.E. Then a guy from Marcus's band comes on, and Marcus is on the screen again. A Daily Rumor article gets published, talking about how much the public loves Marcus. Jennifer decides the next day she is over him and is going to focus on her schoolwork because she is amazing at that. Good for her. Support. Yes. (laughs) Mr. Webster messes up her shoot, which freaks her out, but Miss Mooney makes a weird comment again about Jennifer's fate being taken care of. Another article gives them insight that Nazar McNally, the football player, and Barbara Beer, the feminist, are both struggling. Jennifer is ready and feeling confident for the elimination and loves the new shirt Abby got her. We learn Carrie Chaplin, a lifestyle consultant, is the celeb eliminated that Marcus read a poem and the rest of them got assigned to write a poem for the following week. Some of the celebs, like a food blogger and Sir Harvey Harvey, are adapting well and making a difference, while others are not, to put it lightly. (laughs) Jennifer has a weird dream about Storm making her dance with Paul Johnson in Romeo and Juliet, and when she wakes up, she realizes she can't stop thinking about Marcus, no matter how hard she tries. She She has it so bad. (laughs) Yes. She loves him in acting class and thinks he sounds more natural than Mr. Webster, but then learns he is officially going out with Tallulah. Then we get to see October 4th through 10th, this love thing, dot, dot, dot. Storm sends them a letter reminding them to write their poems as it will help raise money. We learn the other twin has been kicked off the show as well, so they have made up. However, they are now joined with Kelly in trying to tear down Jennifer as part of the Johns, J-O-N-S, Jennifer James Out Now Society. 
Jennifer is getting started on her poem and is trying to understand what love is and if there's anyone she actually loves. This is very deep. This hurt my soul starts, a little. I know. She starts by writing about Jonathan, but doesn't get very far. She writes another secret down, saying she may be feeling things of longing for Marcus, but refuses to try and put those feelings into a poem. Smart call, honestly. Yes, yes. I don't think a public love declaration is quite the right move. Just no, yet. not yet. We learn Jacosta is planning on leading a protest against the show and is supporting the tree guy. She wonders why her dad married Jacosta and why she has changed so much and tells us her one bright spot is the new Latin club started by Sir Harvey Harvey. Vicky's dad joins Jacosta's angry woman reading group Apparently, it's a look for a date, but Jennifer doesn't think that is a smart strategy. Vicky tells her that Mr. Webster agreed to help Tallulah with her poem, which irritates Jennifer, and that Paul invited them to his party, and Vicky wants Jennifer to come as moral support, which she agrees to, but she hopes she doesn't get ditched. Before class the next day, Jennifer and Marcus have a conversation about one of the celebs who is an old rock and roll performer. Then Marcus invites her to a show sometime and calls her Jenny. Great transition, Marcus. She still hasn't written her poem, but decides to just write what she wants and the consequences be damned. She writes a poem about how she loves Jocasta even though she irritates her, and reads it while Jocasta is busy protesting outside and is considered the best poem, best of the poems, so it gets reprinted by the magazine. Amelia Itchpole gets sent home, which she is fine with, and Sir Harvey Harvey and Celia Bunch are becoming fan favorites because they are trying to do so much for the school. Jennifer knows Jocasta doesn't know about the poem yet, but hopes she will like it, and tells us Tallulah couldn't finish the poem Mr. Webster wrote for her because it was too boring, and the boy she calls Rapateeth had a crass poem and was voted off. Good call. Jennifer is worried about Abby Sparks because Storm was fondling her half the night, but then also flirting with girls in the audience and even Miss Mooney. And Jennifer thinks both Miss Mooney and Abby deserve better, better treatment. Also, she's bummed Jacosta hasn't noticed the poem at all. Jennifer then has a bad dream where she is surrounded by cameras and everyone wears masks of Mr. Webster's face and tries to chase her out of competition. Jocasta tells her dreams show fears of the subconscious, and she tries to figure out what she is really afraid of. She resonates with her real fear, being that she doesn't actually deserve her spot on the show. And that is the end. A lot of heavy feelings in these chapters. She has a lot of stress and anxiety on her right now. Yeah. Oh, I just want to give her a hug. I feel so bad. She's struggling a little bit. Um... But it's, thankfully, there's not as much drama happening in, in these chapters. So we can actually spend some time digging into how Jennifer feels about everything and like how she's processing the craziness of this entire situation, rather than like eggs being thrown, kids showing up in bars, people tying themselves to a tree, like where it, it was just pure chaos and we had no idea what was going on. <laughs> it's like now it's they're past that first hump where things are kind of becoming more normal like yeah. you have the crazy people still out there but it's not the focus anymore it was like the focus at the start was the absolute insanity and now it's like it's there we're gonna deal with it 
Um, and exactly. the show is actually getting spotlighted. <laughs> Whether that's for the good or the worst, I don't know, but... Fair enough. Who knows? Time will tell. Maybe. We shall see. Exactly. So we... I actually had a question yeah. to start okay. off the Great. September 27th to October 3rd for you. Okay. All right. Because um, I've, I've had this planned for ages. I'm so excited because we can now start. If so, given the challenge of the week, which was to spend 60 seconds with a teacher to kind of highlight you and like in your school and stuff like that, mm-hmm. who would you have spent time with at your high school? Oh, at my high school. <laughs> that's a good because I want someone that's gonna like win me points exactly like you have to look like you're intelligent because you probably want to get that spot at the school or if you're like Tulula you want to show off your assets so of course you chose the gym true true I think there are a couple of teachers that I would have like tried to pick between and it really would have depended on the circumstances and where I felt I needed to play up my assets you know so to speak so my accounting teacher Mrs. Thomas would have been a really great option because she was also the cheerleading Mm -hmm. coach and our FBLA advisor so she had a lot of pots that she was involved in helping to keep stirring and like you know she was very involved in the school overall um and she's also very uh, like young and pretty and interesting um and also has a a like a very rare heart disease and so has a defibrillator and so could like bring up interesting stuff so you could you could get kind of like vibes with her that that there's a lot of interesting stuff that you could talk about in 60 seconds or like do in 60 seconds um so she would definitely be a contender depending on what I was trying to showcase if I wanted to like focus on my Mm -hmm. FBLA or athletic side or my math like with accounting but who I probably would end up picking would be either my 10th grade English teacher or my 11th grade English teacher. So 10th grade was Mrs. Grob. She was our ASB advisor as well. So she like managed ASB stuff for the whole high school. And she was very peppy. She wasn't young, but she just was like full of life and energy and would always do really fun stuff with us in English. So we would have to like act out Macbeth. And when we were doing Macbeth, um, we had to like write our own poems like they were the witches speaking in Macbeth so in the tetrameter like we had to write poems like that and present them in front of the class when we were doing Greek and Roman mythology she had um people assigned as like gods and goddesses but then also people assigned as heroes and heroines and she made the heroes and the heroines play the newlywed games (laughs) to check and see like how well they knew each other's characterizations in Greek mythology um, we did a mock trial during Lord of the Flies to, like, whether or not the boys should be found guilty for the murder of Piggy. So, like, she just did, like, a lot of really fun and engaging stuff. So, I think she could be a really good um, person to just kind of, like, showcase my intellect, but, like, creativity in my intellect. And then if I wanted to focus more on, like, 
gaining like the fandom vote or like nerdy vote for people that you know I felt like could identify to me it would be my 11th grade English teacher Mr. Giddings because we were very close with him he was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer Harry Potter fan like the you know he had posters in his in his um classroom we kept track on his whiteboard of like house points and he would award me and my friends house points when we did like nice things around the school yeah I remember you telling me that (laughs) yeah he threw us our own like Harry Potter graduation party like our senior (laughs) year where he like wrote us our own Hogwarts letters and brought us into the teacher's lounge and fed us cauldron cakes and butterbeer um so I think if I wanted to play up like that more like nerdy side I would I would film with Mr. Giddings so it just kind of depends like where I thought I was I would stand in the competition which one of those three I would pick but those are probably the three I would pick from those are three very good ones yeah I know for me because I thought about this ahead of time because I was preparing it I have <laughs> one um, okay because like high school was not a fun time for me but I have one teacher elisa radar reader um who was our she was technically not in my high school she was in our career center but um it was attached to the high school and so you could take classes there and get like college credits and stuff for certain classes so mm-hmm. she, i took two classes with her it was arts and illustration no arts and visual vis, it was visual communications and art design and illustration design and illustration oh my god it's been so long <laughs> We're getting so old. Holy yeah. moly. Um, but, like, so I I would feel like she knows me well. And she also, like, is a very confident type of person. So I feel like I would want that reflected for me. Like, somebody who's also very creative and also just, like, is good at conversation. Which would make the 60 seconds really easy. And, like, she's very succinct in everything she does. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also just, like, she she was always cool, you know? There was yeah. always that one, like, one teacher who was cool. That was her so yeah shout out to lisa (laughs) she was great (laughs) um i love how you have like graduated to actually using your teacher's first names whereas like i still cannot i we we had to use her first name so we never called her like mrs raider miss raider like it was always lisa that's she was cool fair fair I just can't I can't imagine it like I I'm really close with like the other FBLA advisor from my school and I talk to her all the time she's invited me to go wine tasting with her like we're we get along I've been to her house multiple times like we get along really well um but the idea of calling her Laura just like nope can't do it feels weird feels weird I know all of their first names I would never say this to their faces. They'd always be Mr. Giddings, Mrs. Thomas, or Mrs. Grubb. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the rest of my teachers from high school, I would still call them Mrs., Ms., Mr. I do that with Skyla's teachers. I'm supposed to be a parent. I'm supposed to be on equal footing, and I'm just like, hi. Well, I feel like that's just a parental thing in general, too. Like, I feel like my parents always called my teachers by, like, like, I'm thinking back to my first and second grade teacher. I feel like I never, like, when they were discussing things, I never heard them call any of my teachers. Like, I had Mr. Epstein, Mrs. Merkel. Like, I don't think they ever called them by their first names. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting observations. 
from the, anyway. the desk of a parent. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you want to talk about what else you saw in this section? Okay. What I, you saw in this section, not what else. <laughs> I do. I do want to talk about what I saw in this section. First off, Jennifer. And I'm pretty sure we talked about this last week, actually. But Jennifer, comparing your teacher to Heathcliff and then being attracted to that screams screams red flags about yourself that you need to look into like she needs to look into her own red flags and what she's attracted to because that is concerning very concerning like girl find a good love story don't be depressed come on I want more for you than this Marcus is right there yeah, I, oh gosh. Um, there's a mention in this chapter, it's actually multiple mentions, but the first one has a footnote, about Trini and Susanna. Who are these people? They're footnoted as the world's bossiest women. Is this a reference I'm missing? Are these girls at their school? Like, who are these I people? I feel like they're just girls at their school. It was just because they she footnoted it world's bossiest women, so it almost felt like they would be on some kind of like home makeover show or something. <laughs> but I don't know. I was very confused. I also cracked up that she like puts a footnote after Oxford and like explains what Oxford is. But specifically in her explanation, she says it's a school attended by Chelsea Clinton types. And I'm like, yeah, I know who that is. But does the average British teen know who Chelsea Clinton is? I mean, I feel like you could, I feel like back in the day, Chelsea Clinton was kind of like how the Obamas were for us. Like the kids, the Obama kids, like they were all over the news. And I'm pretty sure they were also all over European news. So I think back in, like, 2006 when this book was published, again, it's showing its age, I think Chelsea Clinton probably would have been in the news a lot. But it was after the Clintons, after Bill Clinton was in office. So, like, it's But just, I think that she was still doing a lot of political stuff herself, like Chelsea Clinton. Yeah, that's fair. It, maybe. It just seems like a stretch that the average teen would know who Chelsea Clinton is in the UK, but maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know much about 2016 stuff in the UK. It just was like a very weird thing to include in a footnote. But I think I'm going to find it very weird if she uses, because she keeps using all these like US pop culture references and like not explaining them. And I'm like, I know these pop culture references, but is this your target audience? I don't know. This is very interesting. Um, I did really appreciate the footnote of Baywatch. I thought it was hilarious where she just says it's a swimwear parade pretending to be a drama. <laughs> that did, I mean, that, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's not. It made me chuckle. I have a pop culture reference about that too, but I'll get back to that later. Um, it did make me chuckle. I was really proud of Jennifer even for a small moment in this chapter of getting back on track and like realizing she doesn't need Marcus or Tallulah's validation. Um, I don't have high hopes that she will keep that mentality like at all, but I I was feeling very like 
fulfilled when she was like, yeah, screw them. I don't need them. I'm going to do my bio homework. And I'm like, yes, girl, focus on the right thing. I was so proud of her. That was like, I felt like a proud mom in that moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Her French translations are always super fun. I love how she thinks the French French national anthem is to chop the head off of anyone who gets in your way. And that's the meaning of Marchon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I'm going to. Yes, you did. Actually, you pronounced it perfectly. Yes. We, we can pretend I have French roots. You are French. <laughs> Don't tell. French-Canadian, it's a difference. <laughs> but yeah, I did I did think that it was just absolutely wild of a, of a translation for the national anthem. Not that it probably doesn't mean something along those lines. I'm just sure it's not that blunt. Hopefully. Otherwise, we may need to check in on the French people and make sure they're okay. I'm struggling to believe anything is real on this TV show, considering now Miss Mooney says that they're rigging the voting from the actual people in Jennifer's favor. Like, the rigging the voting to get her on the show is one thing. Lying to the public is another. She needs time to uh, show that the school, you know, is actually smart, in which case that all falls onto Jennifer. I I understand, but it's a juice ex machina that I'm not sure my ethics are vibing with. I never said anything in this, everything in this book was legal, so (laughs) it's still entertainment. Nothing is really legal in entertainment. This is true. Everyone finds ways to, you know, get around things. I know. It just makes me sad. But I'm just, I'm struggling to believe anything is real um, while I read this book, but it's fine. I'm going to get through it. It's not a big deal. Uh, I hate that one celeb who refuses to teach any boys because she says they are natural oppressors. Like, I'm sorry. Again, I know I've asked this question many times. Is England okay? I know. I get that this is 2006, but, like, this is not what feminism is supposed to be. Even 2006 feminism, this is not what it's supposed to be. And I just, I get really worried about white feminists coming out of England based on things that have happened in the last two years. Yeah. We don't like Barbara Beer, but we'll come back to her later. I promise you. Great. She has I'm a just, lot more in store for us. I'm just picturing JK Rowling every time they talk about Barbara Beer. That is completely fair. Um, and anyways, worried about England, as always. Uh, I am glad that Jennifer is realizing, at least, that boys her own age are a better place to set her sights on than her teachers in this chapter, but I do feel awful about like her continued heartbreak now that she realizes and like fully accepts that she's into Marcus <laughs> and he's dating Tallulah <laughs> and also she doesn't want to interact with him or think about him like I feel bad for her heart I want her heart to be protected um but like also should we have a conversation about whether or not Mr. Webster is even swoon worthy 
because everything that she describes about him, he does sound kind of pompous and, like, annoying. Not gonna lie. And I just couldn't get over when he gave her her paperback for Romeo and Juliet. And he's like, this is a very sensitive paper, Jennifer. What does this mean? I don't know. I'm just, Weird okay, so if you If you think about it, Jennifer herself is kind of pompous. It's the sort of pompous where she's like, she talks about herself highly in comparison to a like Tallulah for instance mm-hmm. so I feel like she kind of sees herself in Mr. Webster in a way because he's probably as we can see now is similar to that and now she's kind of getting it back from him and yeah she's like wait hold on I don't like this well right but she doesn't realize it about herself yet so she's like mm, his self-absorption that's annoying like that sucks but she doesn't realize yet how self-absorbed she is because oh boy she is self-absorbed she is very self-absorbed i'm probably not on the same level that he is i feel like like i have this in my notes like he comes off as like one of these sort of um ivy league types of professors who thinks he's gonna change the world but in reality he's not doing anything except raising his own self-esteem so Oh, I could go on for days about my statistics professor. Oh, no. (laughs) Could I? Yeah. I, uh, many, many feelings about Ivy League professors and their asshole-ish nature. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) That's all Um, I had for for those chats. For that chapter. Did you have anything else? I'm going to turn my light on. I had a little bit. So just going back to the beginning. I am a UX designer. I'm all about, you know, finding solutions for problems. And I like, maybe because I was reading this in between working on a UX design problem. (laughs) But like, she talks about at the beginning how the attendance record of every student has practically doubled and... The teachers have figured out that they can give these interesting lessons. Like, number one, the problem was people weren't attending school. Number two, the teachers were boring. The UX problem has been solved by a TV show. Like, it is so satisfying, isn't it? (laughs) I don't know why I was in that mindset when I was reading it, but I was like, oh yes, the TV scenario has been satisfied by the, the TV show. It was really sad. Um, And then I also um, had that... Oh. (laughs) Uh, There's this passage. Seeing these well-known successful people struggling, struggling in the classroom may bring home to the public what a hard job teaching really is. And I was like, yes. This is true. And it gets completely lost in the TV show. Like, they have this one passing comment about it, and then it never comes up ever again. (laughs) Like, it is a very hard job. And especially, like, that level. I don't know how it is in England, but over here, like, teachers get paid no money. It is a terrible thing, the amount of work that these people have to put into the system. Like, there's a reason that teachers are just not good. Like, I probably wouldn't be putting in half the effort either 
because I'm getting paid way less than somebody who's like an executive assistant to the executive assistant of a tech company um, who is doing nothing but like ruining their earth. Meanwhile, this teacher is out here getting paid to help teach future generations. It's kind of sad. Anyway, that's my rant for today. <laughs> so um, moving on, October 4th through 10th, I have another question. Okay, I'm ready. Who do you think you at that age, like in high school, would have written a love poem about? Like it could have been like Jennifer, like about your mother. Was it about a crush? Maybe it was about something else. <laughs> oh no. I'm so embarrassed. Um Okay, what grade is she in? Because my answer changes depending on what grade we're talking Oh, I want to know. I want to know. Okay, for every single change, I want to know all of them. Or what would have been the strongest one, you do think? Okay, so, I mean, if we're talking, like, sophomore year, um, well, and even junior year. Eh, no, sophomore year, it would have been my high school boyfriend, Taylor who mm -hmm. I was in a very toxic, unhealthy relationship with. But, oh, boy, was I obsessed with him anyways because I was a sophomore dating a senior and I thought it was so cool. Um, I was not. I was an idiot. But that's a whole <laughs> another story. So I probably would have written it about him, but then, like, spent hours checking the poem with him first to make sure that he was comfortable with everything I was going to say on TV. Um. And then I don't remember if this was junior year or senior year, but I used to have a keyboard and I would write songs about the boys I had crushes on who oh, I could never talk to about my feelings. Oh no. That's why I started laughing when you first asked me the question because my instant oh my thought was not poem, but it was, oh God, I remember writing a song about this boy that I don't ever want him to know that he wrote this out. This is like um what's it called? The uh the letters. Oh my god, what's it called? To all the boys I loved before. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um except mine were songs and thankfully they were all stuck in my head. I never wrote them down so no one can ever find them again. <laughs> Including me. Um but there was a boy <laughs> who did not go to I'm not gonna use names in case he ever stumbles upon yes. <laughs> completely fair um but there is a boy who I was just like he was in FLA with me but he didn't go to my school and I was just very enamored with him he was into one of my friends and then like just other people and I knew I was not cool enough to date him like I recognized that but I spent so much time with him when we were in high school because we had to work on a lot of projects together um and he also lived really close to my dad like within walking distance of my dad's house so I spent a lot more time at my dad's house <laughs> my senior year than I would have otherwise and um I and junior year as well and so yeah um probably would have written the poem about him to be honest because when I was in high school I didn't love anyone other than my crushes. I, like, was so mad at my parents all the time. And Relatable. Yeah, I was, I was just 
a mess of hormones. Um, so if it wasn't about a boy that like I was actively in love with, it probably would have been about like Stefan from Vampire Diaries. Oh my god. I love that though. That would have been a great option. Like just leave Her. it ambiguous so no one actually knows. Yeah, probably. And see if anyone guesses. The other option would be Styles from Teen Wolf, because I was really into Teen Wolf in high school. Yep. So that's my embarrassing poem, Julia. What about you? Um, I honestly think so. There's a couple things similar to you. I feel like I might have gone Jennifer's route and done one about my parents, both of them, even mm-hmm. though I was arguing with them all the time and I was an absolute pain in the ass. Um, I think because I was still like really, really close with them regardless. Um, right. So I think I probably would have done them or I would have <laughs> if this had been like a senior year. I spent all of my time in the horse bar. <laughs> getting into horse girl territory. <laughs> I probably would have done it about the horse I was leasing at the time, Rio. But, like, it was true, like, horse therapy. Rio came in and, like, was very important in my senior year of high school. So it would have been, I would think, pretty strong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I have, like, one crush that was like pretty steady through my grade school years and like everyone knew about it was the sort of thing where everyone knew about it i was convinced nobody knew about it but everyone knew about it including him Mm, Um, great like looking back on that i was like i was very obvious i don't think though it was like it was more like a mr webster infatuation where i wasn't like super into him it was just like convenience um yeah that was it so i don't think i would have honestly even back then have done anything about it like I never acted on the crush so yeah well yeah I feel like I'm I'm the same way with most of my stuff if it wasn't about the one guy that I dated at my school in high school I once I was in high school did not give a rat's ass about anyone else I went to high school with I hated them all I thought they were so like beneath me I was like (laughs) I'm gonna go I was. I was like, I'm gonna go out of state for college, and all of you are gonna be stuck in a state school. And like, I was such a brat. But you know what? They had all spurned me in middle school and junior high, and had made my life miserable. When I I did have crushes on them, so by that time I was over it. I was like, you're all either idiots, or I've already had crushes on you and got over them. So like. Also, I mean, like you, I had a pretty small class size, so there wasn't too much to yes. to work with. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so, with the exception of that one guy that I dated at my school, every other crush I had in high school went to a different school and was someone I met through FBLA. Because yeah. I was a state officer, and so like I just knew people from around the state and was like constantly talking to people from around the state. Um, but trying to flirt with people that lived on like over the mountains that didn't work so well. Oh no! <laughs> Could only date people that lived on the west side of the state. Long distance relationships—they never really do work out. Yeah, I did. I did end up in a relationship with a guy that lived an hour and a half um, driving distance away from me, and we lasted about two and a half months. And then he was like, "Yeah, yeah. I don't like doing this." And I'm like, <laughs> "My I feel heart." Like it- 
I feel like an hour is okay, but like that extra half hour is just like it makes it more like instead of a quick trip, it makes it more like a longer kind of thing you have to plan around because then it ends up being a three hour round trip, which takes up a lot of time. It does. And we're so busy that like because we yeah. were both, you know, high achieving students. Um <laughs> he also applied to Penn his senior year. And so like and we dated my my senior our our senior year. So like we were both doing college applications. We were really, really busy and there just was not we FaceTime or we Skyped a lot, but like that was about it. And then there wasn't too much physical interaction. Otherwise, maybe like every three weekends, I'd see him for a day. Thankfully, mm -hmm. both of our parents were really nice about it, like us being on a, in a long distance relationship. So his parents would let me stay the night at his house. Um, my mom would let him stay over at my house, but it still was just like not worth it. So um, when you're younger. <laughs> Seriously, so, so challenging. <laughs> Just wait for college. It gets so much easier. <laughs> I swear. Yes. If any teens are still listening to this podcast, if I can impart one piece of life advice, just wait till college. Oh, man. Uh, should we talk about our actual general commentary yes, for this should. love thing? Although I had a lot of fun with that, but yes, we I did. That was should. fun. Um, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so a lot of this chapter hurt me to read. Like I was struggling getting through this chapter a little bit. Like I think I was glad that she, when she was trying to dissect what the word love means overall and like how it applies to her life, it was just painful. You know, I'm glad she realized that mm -hmm. what she has with Mr. Webster is infatuation and that it's not love because there's not this like comfort and like reciprocal attention there. So like, I'm, gl I'm glad that she realized that that's just an infatuation because um concerned she did call it beautiful. Like what the, what they have is beautiful. And I was like, ma'am, no, please stop. D d illegal it's illegal in the uk too no uh it hurt to read about her friendship love with vicky because it just doesn't seem that important to her and this gets back with her self-absorbedness um but i feel like vicky is a really good friend and is like there for her and jennifer yep. just kind of walks all over that and kind of takes it for granted because she's the only one that'll be friends with vicky and vicky's the only one that'll be friends with her and so she almost it's like a friendship of convenience rather than her actually liking vicky and like that stings a little bit for I, yep. it stings for vicky like I'm i like, feel Ooh. really bad for vicky Ooh, Jennifer's just, like, sucky about Vicky. It mm, didn't feel great. And then her general lack of love for her family and that feeling that she doesn't, like, belong with her family or, like, belong anywhere. Very teen, but it hurts to read about because it's just... It always makes me sad when you read about people, like, not feeling like they belong, even though I remember those feelings. I didn't feel like I belonged in my family oh my when I was 16, 17, but it doesn't make it any more painful to read after the fact. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, I then got really upset because they used the R word. 
I get that it's 2006, but I thought we were past that in 2006. I guess not. Um, I'm glad we have now come farther in society where authors aren't really using it any anymore, but I did think it was important to call it out that it was used because, like, still wasn't okay in 2006 to use that word, especially yeah, without context was... or, like, I remember it was still used when I was in undergrad, um, even. I think it was just, like, it was still such a common thing, and I don't think it was really until more recently that even, like, some of us, I think, had the exposure to be, like, that's not a word to use. Yeah. Um, And it's, there were still people that were using it because they didn't have that same exposure. Um, And I think people still use it in certain places. They um, do. Which is... It's it's I, so sad. I think social media and the rise in popularity of that, because if you think at the time, 2006, Facebook wasn't yet a public platform, I don't think. I think it was still a private platform. No, we were all using MySpace. Like social, yeah, social media, like, kind of helped people get that exposure more. Um, so I'm not surprised that's in here, but it doesn't make it any less. Me neither. It just, it, it was an interesting thing. So it's it was, uncomfortable. It, it is, yeah. And I was listening to another podcast um, where they cover the Percy Jackson books. And, of course, those are really old, too. Like, those were written around yep. the same time. And um, Rick uses the R word without, again, providing additional context or, like, having one of the kids say to the other kid, that's not an okay word to use, where then maybe you could excuse it being used. So it just was, like, very prescient and, like, top of mind for me because I had just heard someone else talking about it on another podcast. And, like, I think it's important to call it out. I'm glad society's moving forward, but definitely not an okay word to use. And I don't know. It always just rubs me the wrong way when I see it, especially because I – I have a cousin who is Down syndrome and like she used to get bullied with people calling her that all the time and it just makes me really sad. So no bad words other than yeah. our normal curse on this podcast. <laughs> Mostly mine. You very rarely curse. I have a potty mouth. I apologize. <laughs> um on a lighter note, are we supposed to be able to understand the text speak between her and Vicky? I think I was able to interpret it, but it's like a different language. Absolutely adorable. I have it up right now. I'm going to try and say it out loud, right? Yeah. Hey, Vicky, what's on woke show tonight? Jen. Nazar in two days. Assembly. No, assembly. B, X. O, Lord. Exact demo. <laughs> like, what? I have that laser too because I was like, die. <laughs> I feel like Julian Shields definitely over exaggerated how people spoke back then because, like, I was texting back then with like the little number keyboard and stuff, and we definitely did not text. Like, we definitely did text speak where we would do like two and like the number two instead of two and stuff like that. Letter U, <laughs> yeah. We never like wrote like this. It was more like what you saw in the TTYL books. So. Yeah. I just, all I could think about, I mean, this is kind of pop culture reference, so sorry, but I don't care, whatever. Um, It was just making me think about, like, normal text speak, where we just use, like, you know, shortening, like, 
acronyms basically um and do you remember those old i want to say they were t-mobile commercials but those old commercials where the mom was like asking their daughter a question and she's like idk my bff jill i would quote that all the time when they were on because it was so funny because I was like, we did talk like that, but it just sounded so stupid in the commercial. It did, but, and we still talk like that. I say IDK, like, out loud. All the time. I definitely at some point would, like, make up acronyms, too. And, like, oh, yeah. I can't think of any else top of my head but i was like people will understand it and people understood it like all you needed was a little bit of context and they they got it yeah um jennifer and vicky did not provide enough context for their bad spelling they didn't no. use acronyms they just had bad spelling what's on bog show tonight <laughs> wow what's funny too is it's not even consistent like jennifer uses um the full tonight but then Vicky in today's uses the number two <laughs> today's. It can't you can't win with children. I don't know what to say. Um it it hurt me. It viscerally hurt me that Jennifer thinks Johnny Depp is hotter than Hugh Grant. I know. I I agree. Like case in men, though, if you consider Mr. Webster, is questionable. So this is true. This is true. But just like Hugh Grant is so, I love Hugh Grant. I would marry Hugh Grant, even though he's very old now. (laughs) And also, he's always an asshole in like every role he ever plays. I know. I don't care. But he's like the he ends up being lovable at the end. Also, I wouldn't call him an asshole in um the movie that he does. Notting Hill with Julia Roberts, and he's just a travel bookshop owner. I feel like the the movies I've seen the most with Hugh Grant are the Bridget Jones movies and Love Actually. Assholes. Have you? Did you not? When you were living with us, did you? Did we not make you watch Notting Hill? No, I, we watched Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's the movie we watched. <gasps> Oh my god, we let you down. We used to watch Notting Hill constantly. I think after you left, we probably watched it like six times. <laughs> yeah, I've actually Our never seen movie. I've never seen Notting Hill. When I want to watch a Julia Roberts movie, because it's Julia Roberts is the lead, the lady yeah. lead, right? The I always watch um her Richard Gere movies. So I always watch Runaway oh, yeah. Bride and Pretty That's Woman. That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You need to watch Notting Hill and give me a full rundown of your thoughts because it is a huge comfort movie. Oh my god. I feel like you would love it too. Like he's just like a bumbling bookshop owner. She's this famous actress. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would love that. We watched a rom-com last night. We watched um, He's Just Not That Into You. Have you seen that? I love that movie. So good. Skyla's like, it's okay. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is not Oh my god, that was like a 2000s classic movie. Well, she doesn't do well with things that aren't for her age group. Like, if they're not teens and they're like old people, she's not into it. Honestly, I feel like I kind of was like that for a long time. I was like, I don't like these adults. What are you talking about? Oh, my mom, my mom raised me to be like in love with George Clooney and Hugh Grant. Like, So the Hugh Grant just... movies I was on board with, but that was, I think, it. Hugh Grant was, like, my exception. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> That's a reference. 
Um, did you, this is related back to the original point. Did you see, I didn't realize this until I saw the teaser trailer that Johnny Depp got recast in the Fantastic Beast movie. Oh, because one. his legal things were mm-hmm. um, put aside. And- yeah, they recast him with um, Mads Mikkelsen, the guy that played Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I love Mads Mikkelsen, so I am perfectly happy with that, but interesting. It's interesting to do it halfway through a series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's happened, though, with all the other Harry Potter movies. Like, people get recast. Like, Dumbledore Dumbledore obviously got recast because of his death, and other people also got recast, but still. Yeah, but the other people that got recast are just because they didn't want to give Black people speaking lines. Yes. That is fair. Harry Potter strikes again. Being problematic. Ooh, hate to love it, love to hate it. Ugh. Yep, exactly. Um, I... Paul Johnson and Vicky are definitely already dating. Oh, yeah. And Jennifer 100%. just doesn't like, even notice that it's happening. No, she's oblivious to everything. She's, she's too caught up in her own, in her own world. I, like, exactly. I... I recognize that I wrote it down when she was like, not the first time, but the second time when she was like, oh, Paul Johnson told Vicky this. And I was like, yeah, they're dating. And Jennifer's just like, it's weird. He's calling her at like 10 p.m. I wonder. (laughs) I guarantee he did not invite Jennifer to his party. And then Vicky's like, please. She's not good at critically thinking about things that she doesn't really want to critically think about. So, um, like, the whole Miss Mooney situation, the Paul situation, like, she's just stupid sometimes. I would classify it as Jennifer has a lot of book intelligence. Like, she's very smart when it comes to, like, her schoolwork yes. and things like that. But she doesn't have a lot of emotional intelligence. Yep. Like, at all. Like, she can't understand other people's emotions. She can't understand her own emotions. She's kind of just a mess. Yep. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, I want to call out Marcus here for a second. Because if he's dating Tallulah by choice, which it seems like he is, he should not be going around shyly calling Jennifer Jenny and inviting her to his shows. And... Where there are no cameras, interestingly. Which seems a little weird to me. I don't, I just, if he's actually dating Tallulah, this is sketchy. If they're just putting on an act for the show, fine, I don't care what he does in his free time. But, like, I I don't know if Tallulah's on the same page with that. And I get that we're not supposed to like Tallulah. And I get that we're supposed to be happy for Jennifer when Marcus talks to her. But I'm just feeling icky about how it's all playing out because I don't like the idea of like the hot boy cheating on his asshole girlfriend to get with the main shy character it's a YA thing it happens in YA books all the time but I don't like it I don't want that to be what happens Julia I agree I definitely agree um I I had a lot of thoughts, switching gears, I did have a lot of thoughts about Jennifer writing the poem about her mom. It seems 
It was really sweet. It seems like she really does want to fix the relationship with Jocasta, but doesn't know how to get her to, like, take a pause and listen, but still loves her anyways. And I don't know, it just really hit me. Like, this whole book is hitting me when I think about, like, how I parent and, like, my parenting style and how I need to, like, adjust or adapt or anything. And that that poem really hit me, too. So it was sweet, but bittersweet, I guess. Yes, yes. Uh, separate from my recent Barbie comment, I do wholeheartedly agree with Jennifer's point that if Bratz dolls became the future of our children, it would be a nightmare fuel scenario. Did you know there was a Bratz movie made? I did know it. I did not watch it. I didn't know that until, like, last year. I don't know. I think it was one of those random YouTube recommendations that comes up. So I was like, oh, I didn't know they made a Bratz movie. Like, I never had Bratz dolls or anything. But, like, I knew, clearly, like, to me, the culture of Bratz back in the day was, like, very weird. Um, It was, like, a skimpy Barbie. That was how, yep. how I always thought of it. Like Overly made-up was... Barbie. Exactly. Um, So I watched the trailer and I was like no wonder I've never heard of this before but it has prominent actors in it does it <laughs> really absolutely crazy yeah like there isn't that um actress who's in I don't want to say it until I check it but I think she's in that Netflix series that um, Netflix series yeah. that's helpful uh, dear white people, Logan Browning. She is so good in that series. I follow her on Instagram because she does a lot of, like meditative stuff, which is actually kind of nice. Oh, Janelle Parrish. Yes, Janelle, Janelle Parrish was in there too. <laughs> like, damn. What? <laughs> damn. So, it, just very interesting. Annalise Vanderpool is in this. Chelsea Kane is also in this from all those Disney TV shows. I don't even know who that is. She, like, I think she played, um, yeah. I'm recognizing a lot of people here. Starstruck movie. She was in Minutemen. She was in that Jonas TV show. Not that I ever watched it. But, like, you, if you saw her, and she was also in Wizards of Waverly Place. It was like, if you saw her, you would recognize her. Yeah, there's a picture of her that looks older. Yes. So, that makes sense. But, yes, I do recognize her i now i want to watch this movie which is a horrible choice because it will break we can, my we can head do a movie night when you come over here we'll do a movie night to watch brats great amazing horrible plan but you know what i'm here for it uh but yeah brats i was into brats dolls when i was like in middle school really? i can't i can't believe my mom actually bought them for me honestly they're like so trashy but i loved it i think it's because i was so into makeup and so i loved their smoky oh, eyes sense. and like the yeah. makeup and stuff but i the entire time i like had them i was like what are these clothes why are they wearing these clothes i was like not into their clothes but i was into their makeup um but yeah that's uh, nope nope not did not good for our children that's all i will say uh and then my last comment i just it's so hard for jennifer to not get in her head about her circumstances for getting on the show because she she we know right she definitely did not get enough votes to beat out marcus but 
she obviously doesn't want to actually believe that Miss Mooney rigged the show in her favor and, like, tank her self-confidence. And she wants to be popular and cared about, and to believe that it was rigged would snatch away any chance she truly has of, like, believing the kids might actually like her. And it's, like, such a sucky spot to be in as a teen because you're already feeling so not affirmed by, like, everything that's going on around you. And now she's stuck between a rock and a hard place to be like, okay, well, do I believe what is probably the truth and be open to that possibility of what's probably the the truth and then accept that everyone kind of just hates me? Or do I let myself believe the fantasy that I am more popular than I actually am? Neither of those choices are great. And I feel really bad for her having to be in that scenario. But I also think about girls that I went to high school with that were really not popular but made a lot of noise and it ended up so much worse for them because they were being ridiculed and they didn't even realize they were being ridiculed because they thought the people that they were talking to were their friends and it's just I hated it. I hated seeing that happen and there's not a way to protect those people because they live in a delusional state of mind where they think everyone wants to be their friend and it's like no I I don't when I say I don't want to go to your birthday party I mean I don't want to go to your birthday party it's not because I have other plans I just don't want to go to your birthday party you don't want to go to my birthday party how dare you I want to go to your birthday party I love your birthday parties but only yours no one else's thank you But yeah, yeah. that's all I had for that chapter. Um, I just had a couple more things to add, not a whole lot. Um, I was kind of, I feel like something gets lost in here. Tula goes to a teacher to get help on what is technically an assignment. I am proud of her (laughs) for getting help from a teacher who also, like, what, the week before was like, this is terrible. You can't do this to Romeo. <laughs> and she still has the confidence to go to him and say, please help me with this assignment. Um, AKA, do please work? do this assignment for me. Exactly. We don't know if she actually did any of the work, but at least she asked for help. So we know sure. that she she is good in that sense. Um, And then I also just want to talk in this section and the last section there are these so i just like really enjoy these transitions where i think the first one was um when she finds out that marcus has a girlfriend so like in the first part she's like talking she's like oh maybe i do like marcus oh i could see myself with marcus blah 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 and immediately after and like an hour later or something she's like oh so when marcus are dating never mind and then again in here we get I suppose Marcus will be there with his all-caps girlfriend. Not that I care. I am never going to speak to him again. A few hours later, spoke to Marcus. <laughs> I just think it's great. A little comedy. Um, And then this kind of... This isn't really pop culture, but it kind of is. When Marcus is talking about um Augie, he's like, So are you an Augie fan? Made me think of all of those things that are like... Oh, so you think that you're a Led Zeppelin fan and name five of their songs? Oh my gosh. I don't know why. why are white men so toxic? 
Um, but I also got, I remember being in an elevator a while ago. I had my Bob Dylan shirt on because I am a big Bob Dylan fan. Yes, you are. And I am. <laughs> and um, this guy gets to the elevator. It was in my apartment building. Never seen him before. So I'm not sure if he was just visiting someone. And he was like, oh, you're a Bob Dylan fan. I, like, didn't know how to respond. I was like, yeah, I am. I love him. And then it was, like, kind of silent after that. And the guy goes, like, it was so awkward because our elevator was really slow, too. Um, He was like, oh, like, he's great live. I was like, yeah, that's actually where I got this shirt. And there was another awkward silence. It was just, like, so strange. Like, thank you for pointing out my T-shirt. Where is this conversation leading us? So at least Marcus was able to back his conversation up a bit. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Pop culture. Pop culture. What do you have for the 27th through the 3rd? Um, I actually got a few things. Ooh. Pull them up. Um, let's see. My whole thing is kind of messed up. Because I did this, I did post-its and I did this on my ebook at the same time. Chaos, and Julia. Chaos. It is absolute chaos. It's so bad. So I had, for the first one, <laughs> so when they're talking about the 60-second interview, um, mm-hmm. show off your best side. So whether it's blowing up the school in the chemistry lab, making sweet music, blah, 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 your chance to shine. Remind me so much of the Hunger Games when they have to show off their skills to, I think it's like oh, the sponsors yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> to get their I scores. so much like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, show off your skills. Get those sponsors. Get those votes. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> there's, I like, I made so many Hunger Games references in this book, which is really bad. <laughs> They're not the same. <laughs> no one is dying in this book. That we know of, yeah. That we know of. And then, a little ways down from that, she's talking about Miss Moody. And for some reason, her explanation of Miss Moody, it was like, she's a real serious woman with order, purpose, and discipline. For some reason, I thought of Umbridge. No! Why? I was like, because she was all about order. She will have order. And so I see that tacked to a professor like that and i'm like umbridge so in my mind miss moody is umbridge which is i mean fair i guess if she's rigging the vote but oh okay when Tallulah, it's like Tallulah's warming up with marcus and he's giving her a shoulder rub two things here i feel like in aquamarine again going back to aquamarine i could be wrong but isn't there a part where the mean girl in that like is like give me a shoulder rub or something from the love interest and it's just like super awkward because aquamarine is like watching am i making that up no i think he gives aquamarine a foot rub hmm. i think there's something like with there a something foot rub there. and it's like weird like rub yeah, there's a foot rub. Maybe there is a shoulder rub. Or, like, she asks him to put, like, sunscreen on her or something. Yes. Yes, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah that's exactly <laughs> Wait, what I'm now of. all I can think of is the Princess Diaries movie when John Richter is like, I want you to rub my feet when they're in that beach. Jesus. 
Oh my god. Yes. Um, oh, nothing to do with the book. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's another one. Okay. Um, and then I have um, Mean Girls. Not quite as obvious, but I was thinking like it felt so much like that scene where Regina George is like um, messing with what's his I can't remember his name. What's his name's hair in front of Aaron. Aaron's hair in front of um, Katie. Yeah. And she's like, you look so sexy with your hair pushed back. And then she's like to Katie, she's like, tell him he looks so sexy with his, sh- his hair pushed back. Like, I don't know why. That just, that feels so much like that scene without Tula actually being like, oh, like he gives the best massages. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um... And then I think I had how many do I have? Oh, I have two more. Wow. Wow. Look at you. Oh, oh yes, this one. Okay. Um, Nazar McNally, the football player, which I'm assuming is the British football, so soccer. Yeah. Um, it, it says during his playing career, he was notorious for his post-match comments, which were largely unintelligible, even when subtitled in standard English. Made me immediately think of Ted Lasso. I don't think you've seen that. I haven't watched it yet. No. One of my family and I's favorite TV show. It's so funny. Um, none of them are like unintelligible, but there's this one character who's like super into himself and will just talk all about himself and like all of his great plays and like oh, but like my teammates let me down this one. And he's just like going on and on the super super thick accent. Yeah. It's just, it's great. It made me immediately think of Ted Ted Lasso. Um, I love that. I really have been meaning to watch that show. I've heard such good oh, things. It's such a good feel-good show. I mean, there's, like, a couple downer parts, but for the most part, it's just such an easy show to, like, have on in the background um, and to enjoy it. I need to redo my Apple TV um, subscription before Pachinko comes out. I need to look at when that releases, yeah. actually. I think it'll look soon. I'm going to look it up while you do your next one. Okay. So my last one um, was Celia Bunch. Um, I get such strong Chessie vibes from the parent trap when she's talking about, like, fixing up the school's kitchens. Like, the fact that she, like, makes a beeline for the kitchens is, like, when Chessie finds out that the twins have swapped places and she's, like, crying as she's walking to the kitchen. She's like, what do you want? I'll make you anything. You know what? I'm just going to make everything. <laughs> I don't know I why. love like, Chessie. I know. She's the best. He really gives me Chessie vibes um, in that that spot. So, yeah. I love that. It comes out March 25th. So, like. Oh, soon. 12 days. Two weeks, basically. I'm excited. It's going to be good. Me too. Did you finish? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm probably not realistically going to finish it before then. But maybe watching it will make me finish it afterwards. Or you could just watch it and then you're good. <laughs> No, if I've started it, I want to finish it. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, All right, okay. what were yours? Let's Pop see. culture queen. I, I hate this. I hate this reference. It's like one of those ones where it has nothing to do with the actual plot, but it just like popped in my head because the way it's written. I have a couple of those this 
this episode, so apologies in advance. But the way Storm's letter hyper-focuses on the word you and how much he repeats it, like, the prose of the letter feels a lot like the book You, which the TV show is based off of. And it gave me the heebie-jeebies. I don't like it. Like, when Storm's when I was reading Storm's letter, I could hear Penn Badgley's voice in my head reading that letter, and I was so uncomfortable. Oh, God. Because that's how the whole book is written, where he's like, you are doing this thing. You, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, big no energy to all of that. Um, I thought it was... Hilarious, because you know I make a bajillion and one uh, Princess Diaries references to this book. So I just, because Princess Mia is one of our big protagonists that we've been comparing Jennifer to, I thought it was hilarious how much, how different they are, but how they still reference the same things, but with a different spin. So you probably remember from Princess Diaries, but Baywatch is one of Mia's favorite TV shows of all time. So she's constantly referencing different Baywatch episodes and, like, all the life lessons she's learned from Baywatch. And then Jennifer's just like, this is bullshit. This show is so <laughs> stupid. They would not get along. <laughs> and I just thought it was really, really funny. Well, Jennifer wouldn't be able to handle Mia's algebra grade, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one, this is a throw throw not a throwaway reference but um a reference for all of the broadway fans out there in the world uh obviously we know the phrase to thine own self be true which jennifer quotes is from hamlet it's shakespearean line but all i can think of when i read that line is the song to thine own self from something rotten which i don't know if you've listened to the sound effect of that happened. no <laughs> okay so well, quick breakdown. The premise of the show is um, there are these two boys, the bottom brothers, and they're trying to write something that will rival Shakespeare. And Shakespeare's like actively writing at the same time. So it's like, you know, 1600s England. And um, Shakespeare mocks them constantly. And they're just trying to find a hit. And they talk to a soothsayer. And he teaches them about musicals. And so they're trying to write the world's first musical. But the soothsayer gets a little bit of his psychic ability wrong on what Shakespeare's next big hit is going to be. Because they're trying to, like, steal that. Um, so he tells them it's going to be called Omelette instead of Hamlet. So they try to write a, a whole musical about omelets. Oh my god! <laughs> and, oh but boy. one of one of the the one of the bottom brothers, who's the one that's writing the poetry of the play, and so the music, um, is trying to convince his brother to let him sing this beautiful song, which has like things from Hamlet, and it's called "To Thine Own Self." And so like. I was just hearing that song play in my head. Yep. Anyways, it's a fun show. I saw it with mostly the original cast when I saw it on Broadway, which was pretty cool because Christian Borle was still playing Shakespeare and uh, Brian Darcy James was still playing uh, the old Nigel Bottom. 
Um, so I star studded cast, even though the show was kind of a mess. But it was funny. <laughs> Slapstick comedy, Broadway. <laughs> um Jennifer's comment about the snuggly blanket being worn into pieces, where she's like comparing her shirt to her brother's baby blanket. Classic trope in pop culture, I think, like the baby blanket being worn into pieces and like it being held onto. Only two references were coming straight to my mind, but I'm sure there are a bajillion and one that I'm forgetting. Um, the first one was Linus from Peanuts being unwilling to give up his baby blanket and like taking it around with him everywhere because it's a comfort. And then uh, Harry Potter's baby blanket from Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That he's like, this is the last piece I have from my mother. And we're like, these weren't in the books. This is not canon. This is stuff. <laughs> Which is how I feel about her comparing a shirt to a baby blanket. So. <laughs> yep. Uh, going into the elimination, the confidence Jennifer is feeling in this moment. I don't really know that it's earned, but she feels a lot going into the elimination. And it felt a lot like certain parts of the selection when America is like feeling all of this false confidence going into the elimination and like the Friday night broadcasting things that they would do because she would be like so into Maxon in that moment and be so confident in what was going to happen and then would completely fall apart again the next week. Or for the next elimination. And that up and down that America feels, I'm seeing that in Jennifer a lot. So I, I, you're making Hunger Games references. I'm making selection references. So we're tying out there. Uh, and then the last one, I feel bad for Paul Johnson. But anytime I see someone's name who is a P and a J, I think of Percy Jackson. Because... Oh. Well, when he goes to the camps, because Dionysus is always calling him by the right na wrong name. Like normally he calls him Peter Johnson, but I just was like, mm, he definitely could have called him Paul Johnson at some point, and I would not have batted an eye. <laughs> that would have totally checked out for Percy Jackson. So the the vibe of Paul Johnson's name. Sorry, bud, but that's all I had. What do you have for? Hi next chapter i think i only had one okay so i put all of mine i guess in the first section <laughs> um oh my god i feel like it's like very particular too uh so she talks about after the whole poem thing she gets invited on to a morning show mm -hmm. happy mornings with roger and julie did you watch that disney movie tv movie read it or weep of course I did. I just immediately thought of that. I have not thought of that movie in years, but for some reason, I can perfectly remember every single part of it. I, I'm guessing I must have really loved it as a kid, and so I just watched it over and over again for some weird reason. Mm -hmm. um, but it reminds me when the, the... I don't remember what the protagonist's name is, though. Um, when she gets... So her her journal gets published, even though it shouldn't have been, um, and she gets invited on to all these talk shows and stuff to talk about it. It just reminded me a lot of that, like Jennifer, like not realizing how big of an impact 
obviously she does it purposely like the poem doesn't really have of an impact it's gonna have on her so she ends up going on a whole morning show which i feel like she downplays a lot by the way <laughs> like it's yeah a big deal um and same thing with the protagonist of reader or weep obviously that was accidental but still ends up going on all these tv shows to talk about it um yes <laughs> great one. how about you um this is just like the way things are said but when jennifer's talking about love she's like love um which is very weird way of saying it but fine all i could think about was joe walker's rendition of umbridge in a very potter sequel where he's always like he just has a weird accent that he has taken on for umbridge and so i all i could hear when she said that was like Joe Walker's Umbridge saying love over and over. Why are we doing so many Umbridge references? Obviously, like two different Umbridges, but still. I don't know. I just, it popped in my mind and I was like, is this even something that she says? And so I was trying to like watch back old parts of a Harry Potter sequel, but I got tired last night. So she may not even say it that way. I just, that's what I was picturing and I'm running with it. Um, uh, the fact that Jennifer mentions that she's never been kissed uh, reminds me, tangentially, of the movie Never Been Kissed <laughs> with Drew Barrymore, where she goes undercover as an English student or as a student at a high school and ends up falling in love with her English teacher. But thankfully, in that movie, they're both adults, so it's not weird. Um it's a little weird that the English teacher falls in love with the student. But the fact that she's been all over Mr. Webster and he's her English teacher. Yeah, just and that they she's never been kissed just made me made me think of that Drew Barrymore movie. It's a weird one, but I really enjoyed it the couple of times I watched it. Uh I'm worried about Sir Harvey Harvey Sir Harvey Harvey starting a Latin club at this school. Because oh, I feel excited. like what are you? I feel like about? I feel like Latin is a step away from Greek, and then we're a step away from the secret history. Oh. This is going to turn into a dark academia book. Did I not tell you that? <laughs> the pink cover is there to throw me off, but I'm yes. I'm sniffing <laughs> for some dark Imagine. academia. Gonna turn into murder mystery and. All I mean, Jennifer gets stuff. angry enough to murder Tallulah at points, so I wouldn't be The way she talks about her, she's one step away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I was like, oh no, don't start going down the dead languages path. That doesn't turn out well for people in other books. No. Still need to finish that book. You do. I'll get, I'll get there. I'll get there. It's fine. I'll finish it eventually. I just have to be in the right mood for it. And I'm not right now. I need to be in a Me better headspace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I need to be in a better headspace. I'll get there eventually. Uh, Vicky's dad joining the feminism book club reminds me of the book series, The Bromance Book Club. What? Which I think I told you about this book series, but maybe I only told Paulina. But it's it's not like a guy joining a girl's reading club. But it's um, it just made me think about it. Like it's this whole romance book series, but told from the perspective, for the most part, of the guys. 
Like they do alternating POVs, but the oh guys' gosh. POV is like you the did main not one. Tell me about this. I oh my know. god, they're so fun. If you need a new rom com to read, I highly recommend picking up this series. So it's called the Bromance Book Club, and that's I'm pretty sure the name of the first book in the series. And it's a bunch of guys who I think they live in Nashville. Some of them are like baseball players. Some of them are business owners musicians like different things and they have come together and formed a book club where they only read romance novels and they use them as manuals to help them fix their relationship (laughs) so they're always giving each other advice on how to like fix their fucked up marriages and stuff that is so funny. I kind of want to read that. That's They're so great. funny. I've read, there's, I think a fifth one is either, has either just come out or is coming out. Um, But I've read the first and four and they're all so funny. Oh my God. Highly recommend. I mean, there's emotional moments too, but it's like, it, they're just very good. I, yeah, I love them. Um, So and it made me think of that, that he's like, joining this book club with like an ulterior motive not because he wants to talk about the books but because he wants to get a date and that kind of checks out for what's going on in the romance book club too uh jennifer's poem that uh, about jacosta in cadence reminded me so much of cat's poem from 10 things i hate about you I don't know. I mean, granted, she's writing about love, and Kat's poem is about hate, but the cadence but of it's it told with passion. Well, and the, like the cadence of it is really similar. Like, like Kat's so, poem is like, "I hate the way you do this. I hate the way you do this. I hate the way you do this." And Jennifer's poem is like, "You do this, but I love you. You do this, but I love you. You do this, but I love you." Like the repetitive nature of their poems just kind of felt really similar and they're told with passion and they're expressing discomfort but noting that they still love the person that they're not comfortable with so just saying also i love that movie i actually just got a new romance book i just got a new romance book that i'm pretty sure is a modern day retelling of taming of the shrew so i'll let you know how it goes Yes, please let me know how that goes. I love modern day retellings of any of those sorts of books. Same. Um, yeah, I'll keep you posted when I read it. Uh, this is this is a this is a deep cut. Well, part of it is the idea of Tallulah not getting to finish her poem because people are bored. Like the first part isn't a deep cut. It reminds me of like Oscar's acceptance speech music when you kind of just have to. Get- like moved up the stage because you're taking too long but the niche the niche reference it reminds me of what the cheetah girls are scared of when they're about to perform at the apollo theater because they talk about like getting the hook at the apollo theater and are really worried that like they're not going to engage the audience and get pulled off the stage during their performance not from the cheetah girls movie from the cheetah girls books which, yes, oh I read all God. 16 of them. <laughs> Chantel. 
all right, good for you, I guess. I don't think I even knew that there were Cheetah Girls books. They were. And that's why I say all 16. There were really four books, but they were like this thick. Sorry for listeners. They were very thick. And each book was a collection of four smaller like novels or novellas. So there were 16 in total. Um, Interesting. And I had all of them. They were all different colors. There was an orange one. There was a green one. There was a purple one. And I think a blue one. And they matched the colors of the of the girls. There were actually five cheetah girls in the books. Um, Aqua was a twin. So there were two, the two twins from Texas were in the band. Okay. The books are great. I highly recommend reading them. I wish I still had copies of them and they hadn't got destroyed when my house flooded. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's fine. I'll <laughs> find them again eventually. Maybe on Kindle. Maybe Kindle has uh, but anyways, on Kindle. That was a big fear that they had in one of the Cheetah Girls books is that they were going to get like booed off the stage or like get the hook. And so Tallulah not being able to finish her poem reminded me of that. Uh, the whole vibe of like Jennifer not wanting Marcus and Tallulah to be dating, but like where she doesn't really have a leg to stand on to like make that complaint and have that jealousy reminds me so much of Mia in the third Princess Diaries book where she's like so viscerally angry that she thinks Michael and Judith are dating, even though first off they're not. And secondly, she has a boyfriend, but she's just like so angry about Michael and Judith. And then is like shitting on herself for why Michael would only ever want to date Judith instead of her. And I'm just like, uh, yes, the self-hatred. This is where Jennifer and Mia start to convalesce again. Yep. <laughs> um, the, so she obviously has a really impactful dream in, in this chapter, which, I mean, they're important parts of a lot of different stories, but because we just finished reading The Queen of Nothing, Jude's dream, which wasn't prophetic, right? It was just, like, a dream of, like, her fears and concerns and all of these things sort of mishmashing in her head. Very reminiscent of the of the dream that Jennifer has here, where... In two um, very different worlds. Two very different worlds, but it's just their fears manifesting into nightmares. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times, I mean, you know I read a lot of fantasy, but a lot of times in fantasy when people have dreams, it's prophetic. And this wasn't for Jennifer, and Jude's wasn't either, so... I could come up with a lot of other dream examples, but everything else that popped in my head was a prophetic dream, and so it wasn't as, like, actually related to, to what Jennifer is going through. Um, and then, um, I just, I feel bad for her in the dream that she has this, like, clear fear of being chased by cameras and, like, not being used to the spotlight, being fearful of the media. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of, stories where women feel very similarly where they're like very uncomfortable being on camera have a lot of fears of like cameras coming after them and want to just kind of like stay out of the public eye lay low two um references came immediately to mind one is another deep cut I don't know if you ever watched it I'm pretty sure it was a Disney Channel original movie where um there were like two girls one of them was a high school student the other one was a teen model and they ended up like running into each other and switching places and like one of them was dating justin timberley 
<laughs> the model was dating Justin Timberlake. Um, and the other one was like at high school. But the model didn't want to be dating Justin Timberlake, but the other girl was really into him. And they did like a switch thing. Anyways, she didn't do so well when she became a model and had to be in the public eye and, like, have paparazzi taking pictures of her. It made her really uncomfortable. That's the point of the reference. Uh, and then the other one, I just finished a, a rom-com called Not the Witch You Wed, which is, like, a paranormal romance, but it's set in, like, modern-day New York. And so the, like, head of the North American pack, who's a shifter, ends up entering like a fake relationship with um a witch who didn't think she had magic so she's been like laying very very low and like not engaging with the supernatural world at all but once they start fake dating she gets brought into the public eye because of her relationship with him and so she gets really uncomfortable because paparazzi are chasing her all the time and she doesn't know how to deal with it um so yeah that that made me think of Yep. That's all I had. <laughs> I thought of another one while you were talking about um, the whole dream thing for some yeah. reason. When, I think that's the way you were describing it. It reminded me too of Lizzie McGuire. It's not dreams, but when her alter ego has all of those like moments where she's like thinking of the worst or thinking of the best and stuff. Like It reminded me so much of all of that. Those exaggerated scenes with the cartoon character. Yes. Jennifer is the cartoon character. She is. She is. <laughs> it's so true. I can just imagine she's a little cartoon character having cameras chasing her yes. and like <laughs> She's like harding hard eyes over Mr. Webster. Especially yeah. if you think about like the Lizzie McGuire movie when she like wants to date uh paolo and she has all the cameras going off and she's like chow, yes. chow, chow. <laughs> but then she like trips and falls and she's like oh no <laughs> oh gosh that's a good one i like that a lot um all right julia what we should do do we do mvps or do we do ratings mvps uh, it's only been a couple of days, and I'm already a mess. <laughs> I know. I'm very tired. Um, the daylight savings time, it's uh, it's messed me up. But MVPs, it's your turn to go first. Who is your MVP? Um, okay. Mine is Sir Harvey Harvey. Mm. Even though I know that you're worried about his Latin club. Um, he has obviously... Along with Celia Bunch, although he has definitely done a whole lot, um, made a lot of strides in this setting, he has, let me re read the list, inspired the London Road kids to start a girls rugby team, a boys dance group, which by the way, boys dance group, still not a norm to have a boys dance group, it's usually a true. girls dance group. This is true. And a, and a girls rugby team for that matter as well. Girls rugby is very overlooked. Um... And a, oh, and, okay, <laughs> this is, like, very random. I follow that the American woman rugby player, I think her name's Ilona Meyer. I'm okay. probably saying that wrong. She's from Vermont. And during the 2020 Olympics last summer, mm -hmm. she got so viral 
I think everyone I knew from Vermont had her on my Facebook timeline because <laughs> we were like, oh my God, someone from Vermont is famous. <laughs> and she was a at women's rugby and she's very funny on TikTok. So whenever I think about women's rugby, I think about her <laughs> and from Vermont. <laughs> we're very proud. Um, so what girls rugby team, boys dance group, and a voluntary project to repaint the school buildings along with the live club. Like, what? He's doing so much. He's going above and beyond, which we know means he's not gonna win. So I'm giving him an MVP because he is doing so much. <laughs> Very good. I like I approve of that choice. Thank you. <laughs> what about you? I'm I'm gonna go with Vicky again, um, Fair. mainly because I thought you would too. <laughs> she, I mean, listen, she's just doing the most. Like, she is live narrating a TV show to Jennifer instead of just being able to like sit and enjoy her TV in peace because she knows her friend doesn't have TV and she wants to make her feel included. She's doing her best to like make people vote for Jennifer and like engage with Jennifer and supporting her throughout everything at school she's getting her invited to parties to make her feel popular even though she jennifer was definitely not invited to that party in the first place and paul only invited oh. vicky but she's like but i'm bringing my friend too because she cares and she cares even though jennifer doesn't give a shit about her and i just that's Maybe toxic friendship, but I really appreciate the work that Vicky is, like, putting in here. Um, and no one else, I mean, Sir Harvey Harvey does a lot. So does Celia. She she obviously does a lot, but we haven't, like, met her yet. So I don't feel good, like, giving her an MVP, whereas, like, Vicky's trying really, really hard. Um, so, I yeah, go Vicky. I'm debating if we're ever going to give Jennifer an end. I think that there's a possibility later on when she has a little bit of character development. Hopefully. Hopefully. I thought about it because, like, her poem was really sweet. And, like, she's trying to reconnect with her mom. And she makes some smart choices in these chapters and some character growth. But it's still very self-absorbed. And, like, need her to recognize yeah. that other people exist first. Yeah, but yeah, what about your wine rating, Julia? I would rate this a 7 out of 10, oh my god, 7 out of 10 New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, mm -hmm. which I feel like you will like because you love your New Zealand wines. I do. But I thought that it deserved something kind of crisp and fresh, like compared to last week's, which was Four Loco because it was absolutely <laughs> crazy to not serve a wine comparison this is much less overwhelming it's like yeah. very balanced there's not too much going on you know to like upset your palate blah 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 you just have some tanginess on the tongue you know jennifer you get jennifer's kind of flip-flopping with marcus you get the poem which is a very exciting moment as you said like we have this nice kind of piece from her <laughs> but then we also have a lot of downs from her as well so it's not like the most perfect but it's still enough i would say to get seven out of ten and it's just a nice kind of section well sections to sip on and um enjoy with a little bit of popcorn or chips along with it yeah what's your whining rating 
10 out of 10. <laughs> this music piece, like, is high ratings all the time. It's just, it really is. I, like, thought about going lower, but, like, the amount of flip-flopping she does about Marcus. I'm never gonna talk to him again. I think I'm in love with him. Why <laughs> is he dating to, like, she's just psychotic about it. And she needs to chill out. Um, because all he's done is talk to her about her brother a couple of times and, like, call her Jenny. He has not made any overt grand gestures. He's not anything that special. But she's just... She needs she's to lost. date another boy and yeah. then realize Marcus right. has exactly. something going on or not going on. She's just... She's a little chaotic and it comes off annoying at parts not in a way where like it means it's annoying to read about it's just in the way that teens can be annoying um then her whole like diatribe about like not knowing what love is and like not knowing if anyone loves her or if she loves anyone it's just it's a lot all of the mr webster stuff it's a lot I just, Jennifer has a lot of feelings and she doesn't have any positive outlets for them. And they're kind of just bouncing around in so many different directions. Granted, the plot, these chapters were a lot less chaotic than what we had last week. But Mm -hmm. she, because of that, had time to be a lot more internally chaotic, which maybe not necessarily whining, but... She had a lot of angst. So I don't, I, yeah, 10 out of 10. I agree. I would have done the same. So (laughs) I think there might be a chap, well, a section or two towards the end that maybe it could dip below nine, but I think for the most part, that's probably going to remain pretty consistent. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I do think Jennifer gets better, though. So, I I mean, she's already starting to get a little bit better. She's growing. We can see it. It's just going to take time. Character growth doesn't happen overnight. It does not. It takes a whole reality TV show to get you there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Julia, do you want to announce the new exciting news so that we don't have to recite all of our links again? Oh, yes. I was like, what exciting news? <laughs> um we have a website sort of like the website itself is very much under construction as i found out the google website builder is absolute trash um but i wanted something so that all of our links were in one place so you can now go to our very own domain unnecessaryangst.com it's all there all of our listening links like Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. And all of our social media links are there. So unnecessaryangst.com. I'm very proud of it. And also one day there will be a better website. But that day is not yet here. So we we have to get through Julia's final semester first. I am building websites for other things right now. So (laughs) yes. Amazing. So now I don't have to say a bunch of names at the edge of memory (laughs) you can just go to our website and all of the social links will will be on there and i will try to remember to make sure to link the website in the show notes as well 
so you can click on it. Yay! Um, so exciting. <laughs> and with that, uh, we will let everyone go and hope you have a lovely week ahead of you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.